uh, without any further ado, I'm going to continue with our our message series on this changes things of how the birth of Christ affected the world, let alone specific people in Scripture. Um, and when I found out about me doing Joseph, I had to think about it a little bit because I was going, man, there really isn't a lot about Joseph. Um, I thought about that more and more, and I thought, man, he really doesn't get any press. For real. So we know, okay, through the Catholics, you got Mary. So Mary, right? So Mary, her importance, obviously also being the mother of Jesus um, and being an important person uh, through his life. So Mary, I understand. And she was the first person uh, that was met with an angelic visitation to talk about her role um, in Jesus' coming. So understandable about Mary. But even Joseph's sons, even a couple of his boys, James and Jude, got letters in the Bible. Like they actually got to actually write letters. And I was like, man, Joseph just kind of got left out. So aside from maybe a few hospitals that are probably named after him, there are quite a few St. Joseph's out there. Um, there's really not a whole lot of honoring uh, of Joseph. We don't even know a lot, even from extra biblical sources. So generally, even with these people in the Bible, we can at least hear their names. People can talk about them a little bit in sources outside the Bible. There are several people that wrote that were actually there during that time period or shortly after um, that help add weight to the legitimacy of Scripture. Um, but there really isn't a lot known about Joseph. Uh, but then as I dug more and more into the Scriptures, I realized that that wasn't God's plan at all. God's plan with Joseph wasn't to have him be a person that would be a teacher um, or a preacher or a worker of miracles, but we were supposed to watch Joseph's life and how he handled this very difficult situation. So I'm really excited to talk about how this impacted Joseph and hopefully how it impacts us. Now, first we're gonna start out with what we know. I know um, that when I was learning math and I was horrible at math, I still am today. Uh, thank God for calculators and Google and children. Uh, to do that. Uh, but I remember my math teacher always said, start with what we know. Okay, what do you know, right? If you're adding three apples and four apples, you have to start out. Okay, you've got three in one hand, four in the other, right? So let's talk about what we know. Now, we do know that he was Jewish. Uh, we actually have a really cool detailed lineage of him in the Bible um, going all the way back uh, to Adam. So we do know that he was Jewish and he did his best to follow Jewish law which is very important with what we're going to learn about today. Also, in Matthew 13, 55, we know that he worked really hard with his hands, um, that he was what's commonly referred to as a carpenter. Uh, it could have been also a stonemason, depending on how you interpret the Greek word, but more than likely, it was a carpenter. So he did some sort of manual labor, and if you know the weather and how the conditions were at that time, Joseph had to be very sturdy, very strong, and he had to persevere. Uh, through a lot uh, in his job. So he had to be able to work through some pretty tough conditions in Israel. Also, we don't know his age. Now, a lot of biblical uh, scholars will try to, you know, try to figure out, well, maybe he was an older man and, th and this is what happened, or this was, he was a younger man, which was common during that time as well, uh, with early engagements in marriages. But honestly, no one knows. No one knows how old he was. Um, also, this was a clincher. 
We don't know what he ever said because none of his words were ever recorded in Scripture. Did you know that? He never said anything in the Bible, at least. We know he talked. I'm assuming he did. Um, <laughs> um, but nothing was ever recorded with what he said, and I thought that was interesting. Um, but today, we're going to see in real life, and hopefully in our learning, that expression, that actions speak louder than words. Let's pray. Father, we invite the understanding and the insight and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit to come in our minds and our hearts. We thank you for providing us with this amazing model of how we're to follow you in all circumstances in this person of Joseph. You bless Joseph with a purpose, with a mission, and he was faithful in it. Lord, may we be just as faithful with the purposes and the missions that you've called us to as well. Thank you for the life of this man. Thank you for working through him with your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our main uh, text that we're going to dig in today is Matthew 1. So you can follow me on the screen, or you can go ahead and bring it up uh, on your own Bible apps or your own Bibles with you. And we're going to start with verse 18. Now, this was written to Matthew. Matthew was written to a primarily Jewish audience. That's why a lot of times he's very detailed when it comes to Jesus being the Messiah um, and information about Jesus's genealogy. Um, it's very important to the Jewish culture, family ties. Um, and so uh, Matthew goes to great lengths to make sure that he documents uh, these facts that are very, very important uh, to readers of, of the Jewish Bible and Jewish prophecies. He says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It's important to stop there but to have a really good understanding of Jewish law. So if someone was caught in infidelity, especially a woman um, that was caught to be unfaithful in a marriage relationship, and that extended to an engagement, according to law, there were some pretty severe punishments that could have happened, that could have led even up to death. Joseph, finding out this news that she was pregnant um, and they hadn't consummated the marriage yet, um, he was well within his rights to make it public. He was well within his rights to um, say publicly exactly what happened. I had nothing to do with this, yada, yada, yada. And then whatever happens to Mary happens to Mary. Um, but, but this tells us a lot about Joseph's heart, that even in the midst of that and not truly understanding what was going on, Joseph did not want to disgrace Mary. That says a lot about his character. So he said, hey, you know what? One option they had was to simply go to a priest. They could actually um, have what we would call today as a divorce where they would separate. It would automatically annul the engagement, and it could be done very quietly. In verse 20, but after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus' name meaning salvation. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So even then, they didn't consummate their marriage because he did not want anything to get in the way, any misunderstandings of Jesus's origins. That was something cool that I appreciated about, about Joseph. So this morning, what's the Holy Spirit teaching us through Joseph's life? One of them is humility in all circumstances. Humility in all circumstances. Now, humility is defined as the character of a person that's not proud or arrogant, truly knowing one's importance or submitting rightly to others by choice. Now, Joseph lived his remaining years not just as the stepfather of the Son of God. Just think about that for a moment. You were the stepfather of the Son of God. But also, he was Jesus' caretaker. God had entrusted the care of his own son in bodily form in his most vulnerable years here on earth to Joseph and Mary. Let that sink in for a second. Now, I'm a middle school teacher, and I've coached three sports. I've coached football, I've coached basketball, I've coached track and field. Um, and you would be surprised how many parents boast in their children's accomplishments before they reach the age of 12. Um, if I were to believe every parent that ever came across to me as a coach um, and talked about their kids, um, I've probably met hundreds of future Hall of Famers and Olympic champions and didn't even know it. Just imagine Joseph sitting with the men in his village bragging about their kids. Well, how's Samuel doing? Oh, well, you know, he took his first steps. Oh, that's great. Praise the Lord. You know, hey, listen, how's little Linda working out? How's she, what's she doing? Oh, man, she drew this beautiful picture. Oh, that's great, great. Joseph, how's your kid? He can't just, I mean, what a way to like shut down a conversation. Well, he's going to be saving the world from their sins. But other than that, not much. I taught him how to use sandpaper, right? There's nothing that jo Joseph had to be so humble and hold back. He knew that there was a lot ahead for Jesus, but he didn't know specifics. The angel shared with him, obviously, that Jesus would save people, save the world from their sins. But the how and the why and who Jesus truly was, we don't have a lot of details as to how much knowledge Mary and Joseph really understood, how much they got from the very beginning. And so, Mo and so Joseph just had to kind of raise Jesus, and I'm sure there were moments that he wanted to brag on his son and boast in his son. Um, but he had to learn humility. Also, think about the times that people may have said, wow, Joseph, he's got your eyes. Thanks. <laughs> what do you say to that? Joseph had to be humble. And the scriptures also told us that he grew, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He matured in both body and his mind. And a lot of that came from his upbringing. Joseph continued to be faithful to the law. He consistently submitted to God's will over his own. 
and he followed God's laws of dedicating Jesus when he was 40 days old. He also traveled to observe the Sabbath faithfully, just as any father uh, would do with his children. He also submitted to government law, and that's something that we sometimes overlook as followers of Jesus, that we're supposed to submit to our government authorities as well. Um, they demanded a census account. Joseph made sure that his family was able to be a part of that. And keep in mind, the Roman government, the Roman Empire, was not a very nice government. Romans 13 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. This passage in Romans doesn't mean that our government is perfect, and quite honestly, as we've seen from history, our government has been far from it. But, but, God in his sovereignty, God in his sovereignty has either chosen or allowed things to happen in our lives that we need to take a step back in humility and recognize God being God for who he is. We accept that and we continue to live our lives and follow our own purposes and our own missions as believers in Christ, regardless of who's in charge. Because ultimately, regardless of who's in the, the state capitol, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who's at the United Nations, regardless whoever those leaders are, we know as followers of Jesus who's really in charge. Boy, that was really scary because I thought about that. I was like, wow, was that an amen from the Lord? <laughs> the voice. Like, wow. Um, they are God's servants, Romans continues to tell us, agents of wrath to bring judgment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities. Now, the exception to this is when that submission goes totally counter to our worship of God and following God and who he is. That's the exception. But even when an imperfect government gives us directives, we learn in Romans and through the Holy Spirit, through Paul's writings, that we are, so, are, we are supposed to subject ourselves to those authorities. Joseph had every reason not to, to go to this census. I mean, obviously. His wife, she wasn't in the best physical condition. Um, it was a long ways away, um, but he chose um, to respect and be subject to the governing authorities. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, the New Testament is full of blessings for those who put others above themselves. You will miss out on the blessed, abundant life that God wants for you if you refuse to let go of pride and refuse to allow him to lead the purpose in your life. I can tell you from experience, and I will share my age. I'm 51 years old, and there's never been a time, regardless of how wacky it seemed, regardless of how much I was going to lose, there's never been a time where I followed God and I followed his purposes and something wonderful and great didn't happen. Never. It's never happened. I've been scared. I've been nervous. I didn't understand God and why he would lead me in this path or to talk to this person. But it's never, ever been a bad thing. It's always been a blessing. And it's helped build my faith and it's helped me build my trust. 
trust in him. The second thing that we can take from Joseph's life is how to follow God during the unexpected. How to follow God during the unexpected. Man, as, dear, as Dory shared a few weeks ago uh, when she was talking about stress, that was awesome. Stress is a real killer. And according to the American Medical Association, one of the top three stressors that we deal with is sudden change. Sudden change. We are not, especially in the Western world, we are not mentally built to be strong during sudden changes. We're not. Um, we like our order. We like how life tends to move in an orderly fashion. We like predicting exactly how we design our plans. We love to feel in control of our finances, our jobs, our families. We love that. And that's all rooted in one thing, control. We, we love control. Um, but the more that change affects us, the harder that we use our human strength to try to force the change back. The more the, and the more sudden that something changes, the more we push back. The more we start getting angry and our blood pressure goes up and we start clenching our, our fists and we start gritting our teeth and we try to dig in and we say, nope, I'm not changing, not one bit. And that's the way it's going to be. It's hard for us. When life changes too fast for us, we immediately go into survival mode. And that's really where things start negatively affect, affecting our mind, how we think, and our bodies. And getting back, getting back to those things where things are normal, how we want to take priority over God's will, God's purposes, and God's mission. Um, I had a cool quote from my wife, and it stuck with me. I heard her say this just in uh, just a normal conversation one time, and I was like, man, that's really profound. I think I'm going to write it down. So, sweetheart, I do listen to you from time to time. I just want, and this is being recorded, so you can always say I told you so. Um, but this is what it was. This is what my wife said. She said to someone, she was talking to a friend, the two hardest things in our lives to trust God with are our children and our finances. We're quick to trust God with everything, but we know better when it's our kids and our money. God is also in the details of our life and cares deeply about us. He doesn't leave us when our lives get too hard. Now, going back to Joseph, because right now we're talking about following God during the unexpected. According to Jewish custom, once you got engaged, one of the things that the husband began to do is to build your future house. Sometimes it would take a year. And the village was all in on this. So this was an expectation of living in a Jewish community. And I thought this was pretty cool. If this could only work today, this would be awesome. All right. So you would have to build this house, but the people in the village would help you build it. So you would get to take time off of what was normally your trade. So whether it was selling things, whether it was building things, whatever your job was, and you would be able to put together this house for as long as it took, and the people in your community would help you. And they would help feed you and care for you and, and your fiancé while you were going that. So I thought that was really awesome. So here he is designing this beautiful home for his wife, a new start. As he's working on the roof, he's glancing and seeing her smiling at him. He knows that, hey, when this is built, they're going to start this new world. Someday they're going to have children, and these children may follow in his footsteps. He might even have a sign down the street that says, Joseph and Sons. 
for his carpenter business. He's excited as he's doing this, as he's getting ready for this wonderful, special day. And then she has a conversation with him that says, well, you know what? I'm pregnant. It's not yours. It's the Holy Spirit. This is what we call in pastoral terms an unexpected life event. This was something that Joseph was not counting on. And we know from Jew Jewish culture and law, as I mentioned before, he could have done any number of things. But I love it in the scripture uh, where he says, even though he considered this, once the angel talked to him, he immediately said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust God. I didn't fall for just the trick of the moment that the enemy uses against us, right? Something will happen. We'll see in the end. We're like, okay, I'm going to have to react to this right away. And I'm going to have to do this. And, and Joseph could have, but instead, Joseph listened. He listened to this messenger from God that said, hey, okay, I know this isn't normal by any means, but I know that God has been faithful. God will continue to be, to be faithful. I'm going to continue to follow him. The third one and the final one that we're going to go through today that we learned from Joseph is this. The supernatural is your legacy. The supernatural is your legacy. If you're a follower of Jesus, supernatural things like angels and spirits and demons and spiritual beings and prophecy and speaking in tongues, unknown languages, knowing things that you couldn't have possibly known without the Holy Spirit moving in your life, healing, miracles. That's our legacy. That's our legacy, folks, is people who follow Jesus. I'm sad with some, um, some of our brothers and sisters that believe this is something that's not real, that's not current. I believe they're missing out on part of that abundant life that Jesus has called us to. The supernatural is our legacy. And again, it affects the mind of us being in the Western world because we're so focused on scientific method um, that a lot of times we, it loses its awe and its wonder that God chooses, God chooses moments that the supernatural kingdom, how it overlaps and invades our kingdom in a way um, that we have these experiences and then we like to explain them off. How many times have we heard, what a coincidence in our normal life? Or, hmm, that's weird. Or, that's odd. I doubt that'll ever happen again. But we're so quick, as opposed to being children, that open our eyes with wonder and that we ask the Holy Spirit to make us aware of what's going on. All throughout the scriptures, this has happened. This picture of this supernatural realm, this kingdom of God that overlaps with our earthly one. Unfortunately, because of sin, that boundary got very, very muddled and got divided. That's one of the ways that we got separated, that we were separated from God, our Father, our Creator. But with Jewish people and Jewish culture, this was just a regular part of their life. So Joseph having an angel speak to him in a dream was no big deal. It was part of Jewish scripture. scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe it's true. So having an angel speak to me, no big deal. That was Joseph's attitude. 
So I want to encourage you all to think when you wake up in the morning and you're praying, God, whatever you want to, however you want to speak to me today, whatever you want me to do today, don't be surprised if that mission, that purpose happens in some supernatural way. It's your legacy. It's something that we should embrace and not run away from. Hebrews actually tells us to make sure that we show hospitality to strangers because you might be in the presence of an angel and you're just not sure of it. Hebrews 1 uh, was talking about, uh, there was a belief uh, during those times, a lot of Jewish people said, okay, all right, Jesus, we got it. All right, Jesus was here. We all know he was here, but no one could resurrect. So maybe Jesus was an angel. Maybe that was it, that Jesus was really an angel and he really didn't die technically because he was kind of the supernatural being. And so the writer of Hebrews in verse 14 told them, he said, are not all angels ministering spirit sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The Bible all throughout talks about these spiritual beings, um, and I wanted to share. I wanted to share a couple of things with you, uh, because sometimes we gloss over it um, in our reading of scriptures. And I'm going to start with Psalm 89. Uh, so I'm going to give you time to get there um, if you can. But I want you to to do that. And if you can't, don't have it in your. You don't have your Bibles or you don't have your apps. I just want you to listen. This is from the Word of God. Psalm 89 says, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than those who surround him. Psalms 82 also indicates that God's taken his place in this divine, divine council. Um, it's also called the Great Assembly, or Heaven's Court, his own congregation. Um, in Nehemiah 6, he said, You alone are Lord, you made heaven, the heaven of heaven, with all their hosts. The hosts of heaven worship you. One of the cool ones was Daniel 4. Daniel 4 talks about the situation of King Nebuchadnezzar getting judgment. And actually, God had this divine counsel of spiritual beings that helped decide what would happen to Nebuchadnezzar. It's true. Daniel 4.17. Right? So God chooses in his sovereignty to work his purposes in his creation. He does it with spiritual beings, with angels, and he also does it with us. God chooses, didn't have to allow us to have reign over the earth when Adam and Eve were placed here, but he chose to out of love and mercy and grace. And as a sovereign God, his purposes is to, are, is to have his, his community, his creation be in community with him and to serve, and to serve in this particular kingdom. So going back to Joseph, where it, does, it might seem a little weird uh, to have Joseph react so quickly, to simply having a dream with an angel speaking to him. Again, I would encourage you online and encourage you here that that same thing can happen to you and probably, honestly, has happened to you in your life anyway. The myriads of angels and the things that happen in the supernatural realm, if we could get a true glimpse of it, that we could see the beauty of God, uh, instead of 
the chaos that we see, the beautiful harmony when we pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think we would just be speechless to see this. These angels, ministering spirits, serving God for those that will inherit salvation. That's you. That's you. Finally, Paul talks about in, in, in uh, Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, he talks about these principalities and power and how this war between good and evil. And I was just talking with some friends at my school and they were like, boy, this world is crazy. And there are all of these things that are going on overseas and here. And it just seems like it came out of nowhere. And people are now at each other's throats and children are, are now acting this way. And and she just kind of went on and on, and then a discussion came with another person and another person, and it winded up being this big discussion. And one thing to remember as you're reading Ephesians 6 um, is that this has been going on for quite a while, and how behind the scenes these spiritual forces affect what's going on in the world, in our governments, in our homes sometimes. But we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. It's good to be aware. And all we need to do, according to Ephesians 6, is to stand. We know that the battles belong to the Lord. That regardless of what happens in his sovereignty, God is well aware of the evil that's in the world. But he's also well aware of the cure and the rescue and our purposes, our role in bringing that kingdom mentality and a reflection of the kingdom to those that are suffering in this system. So until Jesus comes back at our disposal, we are people of the supernatural. This, again, is our legacy. And I thank Joseph for reminding us of that, being faithful. Let's pray. Lord, life is hard. Life is hard here. That's one reason so many times we pray, Maranatha, Lord, come. Lord, come back. Father, help us be grateful, even during the tough times. Even though we don't understand, we don't have all the answers to some of the destructive and and just evil things that are going on that we hear about in the news all the time. The division, the spiteful speech, the utter disregard for people, whether born or unborn. It's hard, Lord, to grasp all that. Thank you for teaching us humility through Joseph's life. Help us submit to you. Because it's through that submission, we also show the world that we have one Lord, one God, who truly loves us to the point of sending his son to die for us. That humility becomes an expression of love. And we thank you for that, Father. Lord, help us do better for those unexpected things that come up in life. 
when our plans get messed up and we want to be angry and frustrated because we don't get our way. Lord, help us mature. Help us grow up in you and realize your plans are better than any that we could have designed or drafted. Help us be appreciative with what we have. Help us be content. Help us be willing to be faithful to every single thing that you've called us to. And finally, Lord, we thank you that we're not alone. First and foremost, our spiritual legacy is the Holy Spirit that you've left with us. That every time the Holy Spirit speaks and we're in a community and we get to worship together, Lord, that we get to experience that wonderful heavenly realm overlapping our own. We thank you that you speak to our hearts. You promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That we're not only growing in your image, in the image of your son, but also through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to help build the church up. These wonderful, precious gifts that your spirit uses us in. God, we open up our minds and our hearts to that. We speak where you give us prophecies. We heal where you give us the ability to do so. We proclaim where you've given us the words to proclaim. We give, you've given us the means to give. We preach and we welcome people into the kingdom of God as you've given us the ability to do so. May we hear your voice, whether it's audible, inaudible, through the scriptures, through your angels, through a prophet. Father, we just want to be in that kingdom stream, that kingdom river that you, that you want us to be in. Help us that it won't be weird or crazy, but it's something we just expect. It's part of us being children of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you all, if you please stand, I'll release everyone here. Have a wonderful week um, this Christmas season. And uh, I would encourage you all uh, this week, this is a great time, especially if you have families, um, to read the Christmas story to them. Read Matthew 1, read Luke, Luke 2. Um, but it's important that we realize that with the birth of Jesus, it wasn't just a good story, and it was, but that him coming to earth changed everything everything. I bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week this week. Merry Christmas. Amen.